Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Alexander-Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And now I want to introduce my co-host, Andrea Carter, media consultant for the Cincinnati Herald. How are you doing today, Andrea? Fine. How are you doing today? I am doing just fine. And I also want to introduce our circulation director, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? Doing good. Good evening, everyone. All right. And then I also want to introduce our intern, Zoe Becker. How are you doing, Zoe? I'm great. Happy to be here. Great. And today we have a very special guest with us, and it is the president and CEO of the Center for Closing the Health Gap, Renee Mahaffey Harris. How are you doing, Renee? I am doing well this evening. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you all. No problem, no problem at all. Today we're going to be covering a few topics that's going to be online and also in the print edition. So the first topic I'd like to cover is Lloyd Austin. And if you don't know Lloyd Austin, you definitely should. This past Friday, retired African-American General Lloyd Austin is now in charge of the U.S. Department of Defense. This past Friday, the Senate confirmed Joe Biden's Secretary of Defense pick, making General Austin the first African-American to serve in that key strategic federal government leadership role. Andrea, what are your thoughts on this uh, pick? I think it was a wise choice that Biden made. Um, I think he stands um, he's the best example of the quality of uh, the quality of experience that has been in place with each person who has held that position. Um, I, I think he knows what he's going to do, and I think he's going to bring a unique insight to the, the, the to the Defense Department that's never been seen before. Um, and I think that's a good thing because after the last four years, I think we need quality adult knowledge in the room instead of playtime. Definitely. Wade, what are your thoughts on um, Biden's pick? I think it's a good choice. Uh, more importantly, I think it shows Biden's commitment to uh, uh, diversity with all these appointments. Definitely. Zoe, what are your thoughts on this? I think he's a great pick. Um, he's worked with Biden previously, so they already have that connection. He has a really impressive background, as Andrea said, and I think he's going to be a great leader. Renee, uh, what are your thoughts on Biden's uh, choice? Um, I uh, agree with everyone's comments in that um, President Biden's selection is representative of his, um, I guess, uh, acting upon the campaign statements he made um, to ensure that uh, his cabinet reflects the population and the people that elected him. Definitely. And let me just also add that Austin has pledged to overturn several discriminatory bans on military service put in place by the previous administration and that his confirmation vote was cleared by a 93 to 2 margin. So moving on, unfortunately, this past Saturday, baseball icon Henry Hank Aaron died at the age of 86. Aaron, who broke Babe Ruth's all-time home run record on April 8, 1974, was not just a baseball legend, but also a hero to superstars. Andrea, what are your thoughts on the passing of Hank Aaron? I think it's sad because he made, he helped to make baseball great. 
Um, I remember as a kid watching him play a little bit here and there. I didn't truly understand what I was seeing at the time, but you know, as a, um, I'm not a, I'm a big fan of the sport and you know, at certain times it can be boring and at certain times it can be poetry. Hank Aaron brought that legendary ask of poetry to the baseball, um, especially along with diversity, which you don't see anymore because we're not playing baseball anymore. So he's going to be sorely missed. Truly, definitely. Wade, what are your thoughts on the passing of uh, Hank Aaron? We lost a great one. We lost a great one. Uh, when you think of Hank Aaron, you, you think of uh, Willie Mays, you think of Jackie Robinson, uh, Satchel Paige, those type individuals uh, that will live on forever and ever. So we, we did lose a great one with that. Zoe, I know Hank Aaron is um, definitely uh, not in your time frame, but um, what are your thoughts on the passing of this baseball great? I think he was probably one of the most influential baseball players of all time. And I think his voice and his impact on the baseball community um, is going to be remembered for a long time. Um, I think that he was so he was such a legend because of his accomplished career and his barrier breaking strides toward racial equality in baseball. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely a really sad loss. Renee, what are your thoughts on the passing of Hank Aaron? Well, I, I think that, um, his death marks the, you know, the death of a legend, um, who I hope his, his, uh, exempt, his example of um, how he stood for what he believed in um, and how he rose to the level of his legendary status. Um, and I hope that that can influence the future of black baseball players in our country. And um, I know we've seen um, kind of less participation in of baseball leagues for our young black boys in our communities. And I'm hopeful that his legend can live on um, with um, our students learning the history of who he was and what he did for baseball. I just want to also add that Aaron received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian award from President George W. Bush back in 2002. Our next topic is the Board of Elections is now a COVID-19 vaccination site. This past Friday, Hamilton County added a new centralized COVID-19 vaccination center at the county's Board of Election campus in Norwood. Shots will be administered at the board's 2300 Wall Street facility, featuring plenty of space and surrounding infrastructure. Renee, what are your thoughts on this? I think the more sites, the better. Um, I think that um, we have, a, we have a, a while before we get to this place where, um, well, I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. I think that the more sites, the better. Um, um, we need to make sure that there's equitable distribution of the vaccine. And I know that there are efforts to look at where people are, where people live, and ensuring that transportation is not a barrier to getting a vaccine. Um, and so the more locations that we can locate that people are already familiar with, I think the better for dissemination um, and accessibility. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, there's still a great deal of vaccine hesitancy. Um, and the only way that we overcome that hesitancy is by working collaboratively with our black physicians, clinicians, and researchers um, so that 
information helps take the place of many of the myths and real concerns so that people have the facts to be informed and make informed decisions on why the vaccine is what we all must take to ensure that we get to a new normal and get back to some normalcy of life um, and get through this pandemic. So um, many people are working hard to make sure that those vaccine locations make it simple and easy to get to. And I think that site is definitely one of those um, opportunities because it's well known because many people visit those sites during the election process. Definitely. Uh, Andrea, what are your thoughts on this news story? I think it's a, it's a brilliant use of a safe space. People are, um, especially since this last election, people have been motivated. They, they know where this place is. They've been there. They had a positive experience, no matter who they voted for. And there's a feeling of positiveness with the Board of Election. Um, and I, I think it's a, just a great PR campaign of, you know, your vote was safe so you can be safe as well when you go get the vaccine. I think it's a brilliant, subtle move on the health, you know, on whoever decided to do that. It's a great move. Um, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter to me where I can get the vaccine as long as I get it. True. Wade, what are your thoughts? I agree. The more locations that are accessible is, is, is a great idea putting it there. I guess the uh, most interesting thing that comes to my mind is, is what just happened with the, with the election. They showed that if you make the uh, places, the locations accessible to, to a lot of people, uh, that they will use them. They will come and take advantage of it. So I see uh, going forward, that uh, this same uh, type of uh, thought process to getting them out to different locations, uh, making them available to the CVSs, the Walgreens, and the places like that uh, is, 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 is a good uh, starting point to getting uh, as many people as possible uh, the, uh, the, the chance, the opportunity to uh, take that vaccine. Yes, of course. Zoe, uh, your thoughts? I agree. I think it's a great first step. Um, I think that if we're going to eventually want to administer it to as many people as we can, we have to use all the resources available. And I think the Board of Education is a great structural resource to use. Definitely. So I want to bring out the last topic, and that's why Renee is here. And she's going to talk about COVID-19 and vaccine education in Hamilton County. So Renee, um, please educate us and all the viewers. Well, um, I don't know that I'm gonna educate everyone. Um, I think that um, we have learned a lot um, since um, we knew that there was going to be a vaccine. I began talking with reporters with CNN and they were focusing on the fact that all the data was really indicating that black people in particular were extremely cautious and frankly many statements have been made that um, people across the spectrum um, and that means all incomes and professions were saying I don't know if I want to take this vaccine I don't want to be the first um, you know since then um, I will say based on data that we will be releasing next week for Hamilton County that that feeling of um, hesitancy still persists um, 
it 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 looks much different than it did in May, where people were more willing. Um, there's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of concerns around the past administration, but I think more importantly, um, really not understanding or really needing to better understand the facts of our history relative to um, what happened in uh, with Tuskegee, um, Henrietta Lacks, uh, the um, hysterectomies on black women without medication, um, up to recent um, examples, um, even in our own county, relative to um, research um, that um, further affected the mistrust. And so there's an overall, you know, mistrust um, um, for a variety of reasons, as even indicated in the New York Times article where a black physician expressed her own experience in a health system. And so the only, you know, you know, uh, as most people have begun to talk about the hesitancy, um, the question is, well, how do we get through the hesitancy? And I think that our black physicians uh, become critical, um, but it's there are black physicians along with um, all of us having information that we can share with one another that is based upon facts and understanding what the vaccine is and isn't understanding the composition of the vaccine, understanding all those things that we keep hearing, um, you know, things, because we have social media that, that propels all kinds of um, stories and, and um, concerns that cause people to, to, to further question, I don't know if I want to take the vaccine, but um, um, I think we're making some progress on improving um, the, the information. Um, I think the campaign that we have launched in collaboration with over 60 organizations, um, the We Must Save Us campaign. And um, some people have asked like, why does it say We Must Save Us? Well, um, we are, we, are we uh, the black people and uh, brown people in this nation are being disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. And so um, we must make sure we are educated. We must make sure that we inform and help each other get to a place where we do all that we need to do to protect ourselves and our families by um, understanding that even when you get the vaccine doesn't mean you stop wearing a mask, doesn't mean that all of a sudden you start, um, you know, socializing more um, or really not being as cautious and conscious of washing your hands. Um, um, those questions keep being asked. Um, people assume that, okay, I've gotten the vaccine, that means I can do something different. Um, the, you know, I'm concerned about the level of vaccine and the frequency of vaccine dissemination happening in our community. Um, and, and it's not as a result of any of us, it's a result of the federal government's actions to not increase the vaccine distribution and um, development. And so now we sit in a place where you know, our health departments and the over 2000 um, entities that can provide, sub, um, disseminate the vaccine have small quantities that they're receiving. Um, and so we, we hope by middle of February to, you know, be at age 65. Um, but we now, you know, as I talk, I was a part of a briefing today with Hamilton County commissioners and, um, you know, the commissioner was talking about the fact that they got, you know, less than a thousand vaccines, but there's like they have thousands of people yet to vaccinate. So, um, 
we all have to be patient with each other. And as people get more information and are saying, we are taking the vaccine, we wanna make sure that the vaccine is easily accessible. Um, and so this, the earlier conversation about the Hamilton County Board of Elections is, is, is one of those steps. Um, but the notion that 70% of people in this country are gonna to need to be vaccinated for us to get to a level of immunity to protect all of us, that's a lot of people. And so um, we must be as informed as possible so that we can share the best information that we have with, with one another and ensure that we all get vaccinated and understand that it may take a little bit more time than anticipated, but that all of us will get a vaccine. Definitely. I just wanted to ask you just a couple of questions though, because recently Hamilton County has been labeled purple and that means it is a public emergency. So what are your thoughts on that? And when do you think we can get out of the purple range? Well, I do know for a fact that we are gonna get out of the purple range tomorrow. Oh. Um, we're gonna to go to red. And you know, um, and I'm, and and again, I'm not an, ex, I'm not the expert, but what I do understand from Dr. Kesterman and Dr. Moore, um, um, or Commissioner um, Kesterman and Dr. Moore, our health commissioner, that um, we had a percent of the variables that make you be in purple and our numbers of hospitalizations and incidents of COVID have come down. But the reason that we're, we're coming out of purple is because our hospitalizations have come down. We still have high rates of COVID, but we've become, we've come down in some of the other indicators that caused us to get to purple, like three, those three indicators that caused us to get to purple, we've come down in those numbers. So, Red means we still have high levels of COVID-19 in our community. And so that means, um, unfortunately, I know we're all fatigued, but we must continue to do those three things, which are masking up, social distancing, and washing our hands. If we continue to do that well, and, and I think, that, um, you know, your question, I think, is like, you know, how do we come down from purple? Well, we do the things to be preventative so that we can protect us from the spread. And um, if we can do that better, um, I think we had a spike because of the holidays, right? And so, um, you know, if we can, can remember to protect ourselves and each other, we hopefully won't spike to purple again. Um, and um, that the more people that are vaccinated and specifically because they started with vaccination of nurse in her nursing homes, um, and with our um, more vulnerable populations who 87% of our you know, senior vulnerable populations were the largest percentage of those deaths, right? And right. so now with vaccines focused, um, and there's been lots of controversy on where that focus should be, the, the decision of the governor to focus on our most vulnerable um, individuals who are seniors in nursing homes and assisted living facilities um, being vaccinated first um, is definitely going to improve um, those mortality rates as well as um, the impact of COVID-19 in a person's body. Well, that was a fascinating discussion. I want to thank you very much, Renee, for giving us all this very important knowledge about the vaccine and everything. Well, thank you for, for having me. We, we, we must work together because we know that our information comes from each other. <laughs> so um, the more informed we are, the more that we can inform each other and save our lives.
Definitely. And I also want to thank Zoe and Wade and Andrea for also being on this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy being here. Okay. So make sure you check out all of these stories and other stories on our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is coming out in a couple of days, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and at select service stations. Make sure you follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. You can also follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow us on YouTube. Just search for The Herald TV. And we're also on TikTok now, believe it or not. Just search for us at The Cincinnati Herald. And like I said before, folks, thanks for listening. And remember to mask up, social distance, and wash your hands. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. And have a good night. <laughs>